my role is still to put the ball in the end zone and, and to do it a lot of times and, and to be out there and help my teammates grow for sure. But whether it's other guys in the league, my teammates, obviously Josh in this moment because this is not an easy time to go through. And then when it's the business time, this is always when it kind of gets awkward. It's kind of like when it's time to talk about a prenup with your lady. It's something that you never want to get to, but once you get through it, you can just kind of put it to bed and everybody can carry on with their business. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q, broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. That's Devontae Adams right there from NFL Network talking about his role, talking about conversations he's had with Josh Jacobs. Love how he put it when he starts talking about the prenup with the lady and that nobody wants to do it, but once you get through it, it's all good. I hadn't thought about it like that because, well, I'm broke. (laughs) So I don't have to worry about situations like that. But it's a great way to put it when you think about the business side of things and how the NFL works. I think that's a fantastic way to word it. Uh, And only someone like Devontae Adams that obviously, uh, you know, has a lot of assets and and money and has big contracts would have to think about something like that. So I think that that's, that's a great way to word it. And, man, it made a whole lot of sense. When you heard him say that right there, this is Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. My man Ari is in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. I'm in the home studio. want to give a big shout-out to my man Manny. He, uh, he got registered for the four tickets to the Aviators game, which is one step closer in our Lotus Summer of Fun, which this week, a four-day trip to Orlando's Disney World, Orlando Universal Studios, plus a tour of the Kennedy Space Center, all in four days, or you can take the $3,000 cash. So we've given away a lot of trips and a lot of summer fun. We're going to continue with it, and uh, I just want to keep getting winners. Winners, winners, winners. So we'll have more uh, winning on the way throughout the course of the show. Uh, we'll get someone else registered probably in the 4 o'clock hour, but uh, big ups to my man Manny who is uh, registered for the four tickets to the Aviators game. We have Cover 3 NFL news and notes coming up in a few minutes. We'll just scatter shoot around the league with what's going on, but I do want to get to your calls and texts in the meantime, in between time at 702 365 9200 and the don't be broke.com text sign to 69187 keyword R&R. We've been talking about Marcus Peters and what you think he brings to the mix now that he is a member of the Silver and Black. He's part of that secondary. What does he do for that room and what does he do for the Raiders defense in general? And then if you have a question that you'd like to ask head coach Josh McDaniels, who opens up training camp tomorrow morning at 930, that presser can be heard on our morning tailgate with Clay Baker, Lindsey Brown, and of course Vinny Bonsignor. Again, 930 in the morning, you can hear that presser with Josh McDaniels right here on Raider Nation Radio 920. If you had one question that you could ask Coach tomorrow, what would it be? Uh, got a text from uh, 806. Ask him, talking about Joshua Daniels, if anybody has earned the number 24 yet. I know that's not an actual thing that happens, but it should be that you have to earn number 24. And that's a good question. I think, what, David Long is at number 24 right now? I just happen to have the Raiders uh, roster in front of me. Yeah, David Long Jr. is number 24. Does Marcus Peters all of a sudden don the number 24? Does he have to buy him out for that number? What's the, what's the situation there? Because Marcus Peters has always been 24 in the league, and I think that that would be a guy that you could give the number 24 and feel pretty confident in, right? I don't think you should give that number out to just anybody. That's just my feelings. You, know, you Call it what you want to. I'm not going to get angry at it if someone's wearing that number, but I don't think just anybody should wear that number. And I think Marcus Peters has earned that. I think it would be really cool, really neat to see a guy who's an Oakland native be rocking that 24 and the cornerback position. I think it would only fit with the silver and black, but that's just me. So you're right. Uh, that's a question that's not going to be asked to the coach, but uh, I, I think it's a valid point that you bring up. Got a text from the 707. I think Peters brings both a nasty attitude in the secondary in a good way and a ball hawkness we have not seen on this team in a long time. 
Two, I would ask the coach why he thinks he ranked very low of all the teams in player likability in a positive locker room. And I've seen, and that's very good. Thank you for that. Uh, both of those uh, those statements on the don'tbebroke.com text line. And I've seen some reports talking about Coach McDaniel's and the fact that he wants to communicate better this year with uh, his players, his his you know all his players, not just Devontae Adams, Max Crosby, Josh Jacobs, and others, but you know, multiple players along the, uh, the you know, the, in that locker room. So I think that that's a really good one. Uh, thanks for that. I do appreciate you. And, yeah, I, I agree with you when it comes to what Peters will bring, uh, attitude in a good way, a nasty attitude in the secondary, and also that ball hawkness, you know, that, that ability, something I talk about all the time. You really can't teach a guy to all of a sudden want to go after the ball. A guy that created turnovers in high school probably created turnovers in college. A guy who creates turnovers in college will probably create turnovers in the pros. It's just kind of how it is. It's natural. It's just something that you naturally do. When, if you have to try to pound it into someone's head and pound it into someone's brain, hey, when the ball's in the air, go get it. Go get it. Go get it. If they just don't have that natural instinct, even though they, they know that that's what they're supposed to do, it's, it's hard to, to, to become that guy, right? It's just something that you've got to be able to do naturally. See ball, get ball, like Charles Woodson always used to say. You know? and so that's why when I look at the, the draft and I start looking at players and and seeing what they've done in college as far as creating turnovers, if they've done it consistently, I feel pretty good about that player being able to do it. If they haven't done it consistently, and both Raiders' secondary members that they drafted this past year, and Ja'Korian Bennett and Chris Smith, have a history of creating turnovers. So I think that's, going, that's good moving forward for the team. But they haven't had that in a long time. I know Amik Robertson, he had a good good amount of production in college, and he's starting to get his hands on the ball. He started to get his hands on the ball last season where he, he uh, got in the end zone once and came up with a couple interceptions. So that was good. They've got to find a way to do it more consistently. 702-365-9200. Let's go out to the phone lines. Talk to one of our good friends, Houston from L.A. Welcome to the show, my man. What's on your mind? Hey, hey, what's up, Q? Hey, bro, how y'all doing? Hope you y'all had some good weekend. You know, you guys had a great weekend and stuff like that. And, um, man, I'm, I'm, pumped, I'm, I'm pumped about Peters, man. He still got some juice, you know yeah. what I mean? But, um, look, is it me or – Bro, I'm just going off memory because, you know, I'm driving, you know, uh, driving carefully, pulling over, pulling over. But, like, uh, when Peters when Peters first came to the league, bro, wasn't he rocking 22? I'm like, dude, yeah. go back to the 22. Yeah, he was. That's a good point. That's a good point. He was. Go In Kansas City, he was rocking 22. Yeah. Yep. Go back to the 22 and go back and get him. Who's 22 right now for the Raiders? That's Samir Abdullah. So, I like oh. it. Oh, oh. Oh, yeah, dang. All right. See, because Amir, I mean, he, he gets his respect, too, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know. But uh, I, it was just a suggestion. I mean, but then I think that Peters, you know, would just from the past things he's done, and then hopefully, I mean, he's still, like I said, I mean, I'm I'm a real, real believer in him. I like them for years, bro. But, like, because um, he is a dog. But just, just from his ability and things of that nature – Compared to the stuff we had rocking at twenty four, you know, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind that, you right. know. And, and I mean, if it comes down to it, I mean, look at what man, we had garbage at twenty four before disrespecting the twenty four, man. Facts, so, facts, big facts. Right. Hey, great right, call. Well. It's good to hear from you, my man. Again, Houston from L.A. right there, and I like how he put a little asterisk next to the call. Yeah, I'm pulling over. I'm not driving. I'm pulling over because in Cali, uh, and I'm assuming that you're in L.A., uh, that's, a, that's a no-no. You can't be driving and talking at the same time unless you got the Bluetooth speaker. Then, then you're good if you got a connected Bluetooth. So, uh, yeah, make sure you pull over and be safe. Got a text from Rob in Oakland. 
He says, I'm not sure instincts can be taught, but DBs with ball production also study the opposing offenses and quarterbacks. I feel like we let Mahomes and Herbert get away with a lot on the backside because we're just not a savvy secondary. I want Peters to teach our DBs how to study so we can generate tips and picks. I hope Peters' time with Kansas City left him with some of Reed's secrets that he can share with the defense. I'm concerned about <clears throat> I'm concerned about Peters' age because DBs can fall off really fast and concerned about his emotional instability because sometimes he goes off the rail. That's Rob in Oakland. And, yeah, that's the one thing about Marcus Peters. He is an emotional cat, right? <laughs> he doesn't have any problems showing his emotions, wearing his emotions on his sleeve when it comes to uh, being on that football field and what he brings to the table. But I do think with his instincts, and I even I don't mind the edge. Right, as long as you have that kind of edge and, and you get emotional, and sometimes it could get a little reckless. But is if I'm seeing ball production, if you're going to make it plays, man, there's certain there's certain moments and things I can live with. Right, it's when you're having those kind of moments and you're making and you're not making any plays, and, and you're costing the team maybe penalties or you're you're you know getting a little disruptive here and there. That's when it's like, okay, that's that's totally unacceptable. But sometimes you can live with a little bit of edge. But I I, I understand what you're meaning because sometimes that edge is a little bit extra when it comes to Marcus Peters. I like that. But, again, throwing the question out there to you at 702-365-9200 and uh, the don'tbebroke.com text sign 69187 keyword R&R. How about this one from Sir Whiskey Ray? Happy Monday, and I'm already looking forward to the upcoming weekend. Today's questions are good ones. I would definitely ask Coach McDaniels if Jimmy G starts off the first four weeks cold. Will he consider Aiden O'Connell to take over the starting job? As for Peters, officially a Raider now, I'm good with the pickup as we need depth in the secondary. On another note, what did you think of Messi's game-winning goal on Friday? That was fire. Thanks, as always, Q. I appreciate it. That's from Sir Whiskey Ray. And, yeah, I think that that's some, you know, that's that's – that's going to be interesting with Jimmy G, and it's not necessarily if he starts off the season, the first four weeks cold, if they go to Aiden O'Connell. I just want to see how they prepare him so he doesn't start the first four weeks cold, right? Does he get a few reps in training camp I mean, or preseason games? They only have three games to choose from. Does he get a few reps in there, or is the joint practices against the Rams and the 49ers, is that enough to get him primed and ready for the season? I think at times it's a mistake not to play these guys at all during uh, preseason, but I also understand that there's a – that there's a goal to try to, uh, you know, to try to get these guys to the, to to the uh, to the regular season. So there's that. Um, but I don't think that Aiden O'Connell is going to take over anytime soon. If something were to happen with Jimmy G early, I think it's Brian Hoyer's, you know, the Brian Brian Hoyer show. I don't think Aiden O'Connell's ready to play in the NFL, you know, er, early in the first four weeks. But I guess, I guess one element to that could also be if. They don't get Brian Hoyer a lot of burn in training camp, and they really focus in on Aiden O'Connell in training camp. Maybe there's a role he could play. I'm not. I'm not too sure. So that that's something. Uh, as far as far as the messy goal, how on brand was that? How on brand was the messy goal? Right. I mean, this guy's been talked about. It's a huge deal that he's playing in the states. Every celebrity and their mother is there. You know, the setting is there, and then all of a sudden, this guy kicks the game-winning goal. And it's just incredible. And I remember me and a little cue, we were out at Slam Ball on Friday night when it actually happened. All of a sudden, our phones just start going off. Messy, 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 messy. Twitter's blowing up. Everything's going on. I'm like, man, what in the hell did he do? And then I saw the, the replay of the kick, and I was like, of course he did. Of course he did. I mean, that was – I'm not a soccer aficionado. I'm not that guy. I know how big a deal it is that Messi's playing in the States. But that was so on brand when I saw that he made that kick, that game-winning uh, goal right there for Miami. I was just – it's incredible. And, again, understand why it's such a big deal.
that he's playing in the state. So thank you so much for that. Keep those calls and keep those texts coming. 69187, keyword R&R. Also, uh, 702-365-9200. Let's go ahead and jump into some Cover 3 NFL news and notes. It's time for Q's Cover 3 NFL news and notes of the day here on Raider Nation Radio 920. The first piece of news and notes I wanted to bring to the table was the NFL has suspended another player for gambling. Matter of fact, it's going to be uh, a whole season, and I'm going to mess up his name, so I'm not even really going to try to do it, but uh, Broncos, the Broncos, Ioma Uwazurike. There you go. <laughs> as slow as I could have said it, and I still messed it up, he has been suspended uh, indefinitely for betting on NFL games in the 2022 season. He'll be eligible to petition for reinstatement no earlier than July 24th in 2024. So we've talked about the suspensions for gambling quite a bit. We knew that there was going to be more coming down the pipeline. It still has not been a big-time name, someone that's a big-time factor, but another year-long suspension for another player for gambling. So that's just kind of it is what it is at this stage of the game. It's not good, but it's it's what's going on. And the good thing is that the NFL is cracking down on it. They have it. Maybe at some point these players are going to be smarter and realize that they can't do this and get away with it, especially the way that they're trying to do it, and just not do it. Just don't do it. I, I ask the question all the time, uh, and I think it's a legit question, you know, because the NFL, one of their policies is don't walk into a sports book during the NFL season. And I take myself, for example, and say, hey, I live right around the corner from Green Valley Ranch, which is a casino, right? And it has a sports book in it. So when I walk through the double doors, am I walking into a casino? Maybe go in my favorite restaurant? Maybe to go play, you know, a couple slots or whatever, or go do whatever? Or am I walking into a sports book? But if you have that question and you're an NFL player and it's the regular season, and you know you can't do it, maybe just don't go at all. <laughs> maybe, maybe that answers your question. Don't do it at all, and you don't have to worry about it. But that was a, a piece of news that just dropped a little while ago from the NFL. They sent out a, a memo about that suspension. Also, top quarterbacks, they are getting their contract signed, sealed, and delivered. This is something that's kind of one of those no-brainers. You know that it's going to happen. These contracts are a lot easier to get done now. Anthony Richardson, he got his deal done earlier today. Uh, number four overall pick, four-year, 33.99, fully million, fully guaranteed deal that includes 21.7 million signing bonus, uh, paid 100% up front. So all 21.7 million is uh, is paid, signed, sealed, and delivered, good to go. That's a signing bonus, and it's a 33.9, almost 34 million dollar contract for the number four overall pick, Anthony Richardson. Earlier today. C.J. Stroud of the Texans, the number two overall pick, uh, agreed to deal with with Houston. Four-year, fully guaranteed, $36.2 million contract. 100% of that money is paid up front. Again, that's a, a signing bonus as well. But, again, these contracts are so easy to get done. Not a big surprise. And just on the 21st, which was just a couple days ago, the number one overall pick, Bryce Young and the Panthers, agreed on a four-year, fully guaranteed, $37.9 million contract. So you can see how these contracts are being slotted and how they're being uh, done Signed, sealed, and delivered, and all uh, all that money fully guaranteed. Uh, the Buffalo Bills, they're a conversation piece. They're a team that a lot of people have very high expectations for. They're also a team that I think in 2022 underachieved and didn't hit what they were supposed to do. And Josh Allen wasn't the MVP of the league like many people thought. And I think that they're probably the third best team in the AFC conference, but I think it's a distant third. I think it's the Chiefs, the Bengals, and a distance, and then the Buffalo Bills. Well, they've already suffered uh, a blow to their squad. Running back Naheem Hines suffered a significant knee injury off-site 
and is going to miss the entire 2023 season. A bad break for Buffalo and the versatile Hines, who uh, was acquired at, a, at the trade deadline last fall. And if you remember, he was a guy, a key contributor on special teams as far as the kick return and punt return game goes. And the, pro- the thing it's, that really stinks, man, we know in training camp there's injuries. We know that all kind of stuff happens in training camp, right? And it stinks. This guy got injured not even in training camp. He was sitting on stationary on a jet ski, and he was struck by another rider and sustained serious but not, not but non-life-threatening injuries. He'll require surgery and will miss the whole season. So he's on a jet ski, chilling, trying to have one more last little break before training camp starts. A guy runs into him. It's not like he ran into him. He runs into to, to Hines, and now Hines is out for the entire season. That You want to talk about having no luck. That is just awful, and it feels like Buffalo, who's actually trying to fly under the radar this year where everyone talked about him last year, I think that they really want to fly under the radar this year. They can't. Earlier in, in the uh, you know, offseason during mandatory minicamp, it was Stephon Diggs versus Josh Allen, right? That situation. Now you see you hear Naheem Hines is out for the season due to an injury that really he sustained um, you know, because someone else ran into him. It's just it's unfortunate for that situation and that team, but, uh, and, and that player in particular. I hate to see guys injured. He is injured, and he's out for the whole season. In Detroit, it seems like C.J. Gardner-Johnson and the Lions avoided a massive uh, injury. He went down earlier today with a right leg injury. He was carted off the field, and the worst-case scenario, it was, it was a non-contact situation. So you always are fearful of those non-contact situations. Uh, all the teammates ran over to comfort him, so you really thought that there was going to be a, a, an issue. But later on, an MRI on C.J. Gardner-Johnson revealed no structural damage to his knee. He's considered day-to-day at the time. So obviously that's big news for the Detroit Lions and obviously Johnson, who could be a key to that, that uh, Lions secondary as they're trying to prove that last year was not a fluke and that they're going to be that team this upcoming year. So uh, we'll see. But, uh, man, that's, that's good news. I hate to hear about training camp injuries. They really stink. That's, uh, you know, but it looks like he avoided a massive injury. Also, we've been talking about Marcus Peters and him signing a deal with the Raiders, a one-year deal. According to Jordan Schultz, who just sent me a text message, said uh, it's a one-year deal up to $5 million for Peters and the Raiders. So just in case you're looking for the money, that's what it looks like it's going to be. Definitely appreciate our good friend Jordan uh, for passing that along. And also, when it comes to the running back position, we've talked obviously a lot about that. When Ed Graney was on in the 2 o'clock hour, uh, he was talking about the tweet from Tom Pelissero on Twitter uh, talking about with Josh Jacobs. He said, uh, Josh Jacobs, who hasn't signed his franchise tender, was spotted this Monday, this morning boarding a flight leaving Las Vegas. He won't report for training camp Tuesday and has told people close to him he doesn't plan to return anytime soon. That was from Tom Pelissero. Well, over the weekend, uh, a lot of the top running backs, they had – they had a, a, a Zoom call. They called it their little running back summit. It had Nick Chubb, Derek Henry, Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, Christian McCaffrey, uh, and many others. Austin Eckler was a guy that kind of put this thing together, running back for the Chargers. They, uh, they all got on a Zoom to talk about what they could do as far as you know, their status and their position in the league and getting paid what they really want. Well, I mentioned I was doing ESPN Radio earlier today with Harry Douglas. We talked to Ryan Clark. Uh, Super Bowl winning safety. He's obviously ESPN NFL analyst. He's been on this show before. Uh, good dude. He had tweeted out, I love that the running backs are communicating about the current state of their pay scale, but I hope it's not just sports complaining. In order to force any change in their current predicament, they need to be fearless, daring, but most of all, unselfish. So when he was on ESPN with myself and Harry Douglas, longtime NFL wide receiver, I asked him about that tweet and what can the running backs do moving forward? Well, I think it's it's cool that they are trying to band together, but this is what the NFLPA was created for. 
the NFL PA was created to get the players under, under the union to learn to stick together. Just think about the history of strikes, the history of lockouts. We've always had somebody cross the picket line, right? We've never been able to remain in solidarity. And if anything's going to happen with this running back position and the situation they find themselves in contractually, then they're going to need to stick together. But that's difficult when you start thinking about that next paycheck. That's difficult when you start thinking about your next opportunity to play ball. And so if Josh Jacobs and Saquon Barkley decide this year that they're going to sit in, right, or hold in, as in go into the building, practice, or even be in the building daily, but decide to not play, then that means the next group of running backs have to do the same thing until the league gets to a point on understanding where they realize these dudes will not play under these conditions. But if every player in that predicament predicament doesn't do that, then it has no effect on the league. And when you look at guys like Isaiah Pacheco and Damian Pierce last year, drafted in the fourth round, drafted late in the sixth or the seventh round, be able to be not only contributors but bell cows for their teams, is going to lead to teams continuing to think that they can get a very good replacement, whether mid-draft or late-draft, and still win games, as we saw the Kansas City Chiefs do, because they had Patrick Mahomes, and that's the reason he got a half a billy on his contract. Ryan Clark right there, ESPN NFL analyst, longtime NFL safety, Super Bowl champ, was on with myself and Harry Douglas earlier this morning, and he was talking about the running back position and what they can do. And that's the thing about it. like These top-notch running backs, they can decide that we ain't playing. We're not going to do it. Nope, not going to make us. We're not going to do it. But guess what? There's a guy in the fourth round. There's a guy in the fifth round. There's a guy in the sixth round. There's a guy in the seventh round that's like, yep, I'm going to do it. Look at Tony Pollard. If you don't believe me, look at Tony Pollard. He came from the fourth round, got the franchise tag, and what he do? He signed that thing immediately. He did like I would have done. Oh, $10 million? Yep, sign me up. There's always, and that's not a bad thing to Tony Pollard, but they're not in the same position as these first-round running backs. So a guy that's never made that kind of money is going to try to make that kind of money. It's just that simple. So uh, that's why when RC says they all have to do it, if they don't all do it, it's not going to work. He's absolutely right, and I just don't see it happening. Uh, Unfortunately, I don't see anything happening with the running back position until the new CBA is signed, and the new CBA is not going to be until 2030. Saquon Barkley won't be around. Josh Jacobs won't be around. Top-notch guys like Christian McCaffrey, Derrick Henry, they're not going to be around. Matter of fact, the next, the next run of top-notch running backs might not be around in 2030. That's the unfortunate part of it. But something's got to be done. Who knows what it is. But it's nice, like Ryan Clark said, that you hear them trying to band together and at least understand and acknowledge the fact that there is a problem. One more note, and then we'll get to Gangster Raider, and then we'll get to uh, Kevin Ostriker. we got a lot to get to in a short amount of time. Jordan Addison, the Vikings wide receiver, he's a rookie. He was, uh, he was cited for driving 140 miles an hour last week. And I thought this was a situation, and really, this is a conversation that we could put in reason or excuse, but I know everyone feels different ways about pets. Like, I'm not a pet guy, so for me, this would be an excuse, but I don't want to I don't want to make anybody angry that is a big pet person or a big dog person, and I respect that. I respect everyone's feelings, so that's why I'm not going to put in reason or excuse. I'll just bring it to the table for cover three. Apparently, his words, not mine, the reason why he was going 140 miles an hour at 3 a.m. was because he had a dog emergency going on at home. His dog had a situation at home, and he was trying to take care of it. Again, I'm not going to call that an excuse 
because there's somebody that might be a dog lover that's like, yep, that's valid. I would do that too. Not me. I wouldn't be that guy. Right? And, again, I'm not trying to sound disrespectful to dogs, but I don't think there's any time that there's any valid excuse for going 140 on, on the highway at any time, especially, you know, 3 in the morning or whatever. One bounce or one bump that you hit and your car's flying the other way, like things just go, go really bad when you're going that quick, right? So I don't know. That could be, like I said, it could be an excuse. It could be very valid. Depends on, on how you feel about those situations. Uh, but he gets an updated citation, including a misdemeanor charge for speeding and reckless. I also feel like it should be more than a misdemeanor. But, again, that's just me. I'm a guy who drives slow. I don't drive fast. I have no problem with that. If I'm going to be late, I'm just going to be late. Or maybe I'll just take off and leave a little early. I don't know. That's just me. So he got that. Uh, it's an incident that, that uh, the Minnesota State Patrol, they're taking care of. And, uh, again, Addison stated his dog was having an emergency at his residence, and that was the reason for his speed. Remember, it was at 3 a.m., clocked at 140 miles an hour in a 55-mile-per-hour zone. So, again, we could have used that for reason or excuse, Ari, but I don't, I don't want anyone to think that I'm being disrespectful to dogs, but that doesn't really sound like a valid reason to be going 140 at all. Look, I, I understand where you're coming from, but here's this, and I'm kind of – I don't have animals, but I totally understand it and I get it. Right. But, but I got to say, like, and you can – if it's a human being in the same scenario, you still have to be rational about things. There's right. never, like you just said it, there's never a right time to go 140. I get you could speed, like you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. Maybe blow a couple might, stop signs. Yeah, it might weave in and out of traffic a little bit. Yeah, but like, again, there's no, I don't know, there's no scenario to me. Uh, I know it's a sensitive subject around right. here, but, and that should have been on his mind at some point too, but I, I guess, you know, in the moment. But I yeah, I mean, know. at, at the it moment, you do what sense. you feel like you have to do. But like I said, man, I, I don't think that there's any time that you're going 140, but then again, I've nah. never been in a position where I, had, I felt like I had to do something like that. So I'm just glad that nothing happened where nobody got harmed, him or anyone else around him. Uh, it was 3 a.m., so luckily the, the highway was not full. So he was able to do that, and, and he did pull over once the officers turned on their lights, so that's good. But it just seems to me like that – you know, and I saw Courtney Cronin tweet out, is this the new my dog ate my homework excuse? You know, <laughs> and so, like I said, I don't, you know, I don't want to sound like the insensitive dude that's like, oh, it's only a dog. What are you tripping on? I'm not going to say that. But I, I could understand where people come from. And me not being a pet guy outside of turtle, and we all know turtles ain't moving fast. So, and my turtle left. He bounced. It was a bad day at the house. It's still a bad subject, but it, it never drove me to drive fast and running around the neighborhood. And I did go door to door knocking on the, the doors. I did look over the fence. My neighbor's like, hey, man, what you looking at my fence for? I was like, I'm just looking for my turtle. <laughs> so that did happen. But, again, that's just me. So uh, 326 is the time. We lost Gangster. So we'll get him back in a little bit. No problem there. Kevin Ostriker, Locked On Ravens. He'll join us to talk about the newest signer for the Silver and Black. That would be Marcus Peters. This is Radio Nation Radio 920. What is the best fit for Marcus? What team is the best fit for Marcus would feel like, oh, that's taking me to this level? Like, So far, it's the Raiders, right. you know what I mean? Uh, it's a team that I watched grow up, and it's a team that, that, that low-key believe in me, that I can come in and I can still make a change, bro. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q, broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. There you go right there. You've heard from... New Raiders cornerback Marcus Peters talking about the Raiders are a good fit. They're the team that low-key believes in him, and they not low-key signed him today, but they did sign him today to a one 
year deal worth up to $5 million, according to our guy Jordan Schultz from The Score. We appreciate him, and we appreciate our next guest, Kevin Ostriker, host of Locked On Ravens. And, uh, Kevin, thanks so much for your time. I definitely appreciate you. It was great. We caught up yesterday talking about the Raiders and expectations, and you mentioned a little nugget about, hey, if Marcus Peters signs with the Raiders, you know, I'd love to jump on and talk about him. And here we are, right? <laughs> here we are. He yeah. signs with the Raiders. Uh, he's been in Baltimore since 2019. Uh, how, how big of a, a signing do you think that is for the Raiders? How much do you think Peters has left? I think it's a good signing, definitely. I, I'm very shocked that he ended up still on the market at this point in the offseason. I would have expected him to at least have even just more interest. It felt like there wasn't really a lot of interest across the league. felt like the Raiders were the team that he was all but going to go to. Now it's obviously official. But, yeah, you're right. The Ravens and Raiders essentially swap corners here. Rocky Asin is now in Baltimore, and Marcus Peters is now in Las Vegas. I think it's a good, you know, a low-risk, high-reward signing. Peters was somebody that tore the ACL in 2021 and struggled admittedly in 2022. Well, definitely was not his best season, but sometimes guys just need a year or they need some time on the, the knee. They need to feel how it is coming off that post-surgery. So the hope is that Peters will you know, have the year of struggle in Baltimore. And for Raiders fans, it's now that that's over with. He'll, he'll be able to have kind of a resurgent season in Las Vegas. I know a team that definitely did need some corner depth. And I think Peters is still, you know, you look at the name value, it's there, but he also still is a high IQ football player, someone who is, is not the most physical corner in the league, but I think it's displayed some more traits there. So I, I like it for them, especially because it has a low cost, which means a low risk deal for them. You know, and as I mentioned, he's been in Baltimore since 2019. And as you mentioned, mature the ACL in 2021. When he was traded from the Rams to Baltimore, what did he do for that secondary? I mean, he came away with three interceptions and took two back to the house, scored two touchdowns. What did he do for that Ravens team when he made that trade? Oh, it was huge for him. The Ravens defense admittedly was struggling. And what the Ravens ended up doing was in week five, they brought in Josh Bynes and LJ Fort. Then a couple weeks later, they traded for Marcus Peters from the Rams. And it wasn't really a system fit in Los Angeles with the Rams. Peters comes over. His first game was against Seattle. And, and that was, if you remember, was MVP battle. It was Russell Wilson versus Lamar Jackson. And Russell Wilson throws a pick six to Marcus Peters to essentially seal the game away. And Marcus Peters was asked about, you know, it felt like you saw that play coming. You know, what, what were you seeing? And, and Marcus Peters said, that exact same play was ran against me when I was with the Rams and I got burnt on it. So he learned from that mistake and turned it into essentially a win for Baltimore. He transformed the defense. He and Marlon Humphrey, I mean, Peters and Marlon Humphrey were regarded as two top 10 corners for a couple of years there. I know Peters isn't, I think, at that level anymore. Mm -hmm. But the fact that he was there a couple of years ago is a great thing. And the fact that also off the field for him, the personality, the energy he brings, he's one of those guys where, you know, feels like you like hate him when he's, he's not on your team, but you love him when he is. He brings <laughs> energy. He's passionate. And he, he, he is not afraid to talk. He will talk and talk and talk. But he's also just passionate about the game. He wants to win. He's a competitor. And I, I know he gets maybe a bad rep here and there because of all he, he talks too much. But I actually think it's, it's, it's very healthy competition in that Las Vegas Raiders cornerback room. And now I think he's going to bring that energy and that veteran leadership there as well. You know, Kevin, you bring up a good point about him talking, and I like the swagger. I like the attitude. I like the little bit of edge that he provides, and, and some of it that has to do with the talking. How much do you think that that gives guys around him confidence when they see a guy like that with a name like his being able to go out there and talk that talk and also walk the walk? How much more confidence do you think it gives the rest of the team? 
Oh yeah, it's, it's 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 definitely a factor. I mean, he was someone who, even in 2021, when he wasn't playing, he was out on the field acting like a mini coach almost. He was telling guys what he was seeing, telling guys where to go, and also the fact that when he is on the field, you know, the talking aspect we've been talking about here for the past couple of minutes. He, he plays with such confidence, and I think that does boost up his teammates around him, especially in the secondary when we've seen multiple players come up with big-time plays. And it's funny because Marlon Humphrey in Baltimore is known for kind of the, the fruit punch, you know, the Charles the peanut punch essentially where, you know, punches the ball out. Marcus Peters kind of adapted that, and he's already known for being like a turnover guy. He'll mm-hmm. beat quarterbacks in the bad throws but he, he kind of added the punch out to his game a little bit over the course of his time in Baltimore. So he, he, he goes ball hunting. Sometimes it does result in him getting burnt because he is so confident in his ability to read quarterbacks' eyes and figure out what they want to do. But in, in today's game, you need those risk takers, especially in a passing league as you know it here. So I know this Raiders team, I think they needed somebody like Marcus Peters. And again, I was shocked he was available this late in the offseason. I thought he would sign a couple months ago, but the Raiders, they, they get a good deal out of it. They, they're winners out of this. Again, we're talking with Kevin Ostriker, host of Locked On Ravens, talking all things Marcus Peters. So you mentioned the fact that he baits quarterbacks into bad throws and, and, and baits them into those passes that he can take off, pick off and take off and go the other direction with. How does he do that? What what's what is he so good at? Like that that is one of those skill sets that he finds a, a an ability and a way to do it all the time consistently. Yeah, he he finds the ability to sit in zones where he's not necessarily he, he's not the quarterback's main priority. Where he'll through, throughout a game or you know even just based off of his past experiences, he'll be able to sit down and figure out you know where does this quarterback like to throw, where his strengths, where his weaknesses. And there there was one throw. Well, there's one interception that comes to my mind during his time in Baltimore. It was week two against the Texans. Deshaun Watson was was still with the team playing it with the Texans at this time, and. Marcus Peters, it was a route to, I believe it might have been Brandon Cooks. Mm. And Cooks runs uh, out and then comes back in towards the middle of the field. And Peters is just kind of sitting in a zone on the outside waiting. And Deshaun Watson does not see him whatsoever. He fires the ball in there. And it's almost like, you know, like a baseball web gem. He <laughs> comes with his finger, it's like a fingertip catch, just snatches the ball out of the air. And Deshaun Watson had no clue he was there. And it's those types of things where he uses his football IQ to his advantage, but also just being able to read the quarterback's eyes and figure out over the course. He, he, it's almost like he's, he's hunting a little bit where he's, tr- yeah. he's scoping out his prey, trying to figure out, all right, well, these are the tendencies. This is what they want to do. And then he attacks right, right at the right moment. And again, sometimes it does lead to you know, mistakes and him gambling on something that's not there. We, we saw that a couple of times, but I think for him, being it, he had multiple picks. You talked about it, multiple pick sixes in his first year in Baltimore. Had multiple high high leverage interceptions. He's someone. He's one of the best turnover creators in the league, and I know this Raiders defense definitely needed that. Yeah, needed in a major way. And Kevin, we had a call earlier or a text earlier talking about how Patrick Graham was going to defend Travis Kelsey this year. Do you see Peters, and maybe he did this in Baltimore, being a guy that you know he just sees one dude and says, "All right, that's my guy this game. I'm going to try to take him out of the game." Do you think Peters could play that role with a Travis Kelsey? The competitive nature, I would say so. Now, the thing that I would be worried about, we didn't really see Marcus Peters on Travis Kelsey a whole lot in Baltimore, and the reason for that, as I mentioned, he's not the most physical player. You know, he's kind of thin, mm-hmm. and, you know, for, I, I don't want to call him frail because he's not, but he's not like this muscle guy, like right. he's going to go and is 
super, he, he, he doesn't shy away from contact, but he doesn't necessarily seek it out all the time. Now, there are plays in Baltimore where he definitely, I'll always remember the 2019-2020 playoff game against Tennessee, and I don't want to remember because it was terrible for the Ravens. That was a 14-2 year where they just got annihilated. But he was like, he was the best defender on the field by far for the Ravens because he, he hit stick Derrick Henry out of all people on like the third play of the game, like literally sent him backwards. And I'm like, where is this Marcus Peters coming from? Then also chase down Derrick Henry. So he rises to the occasion when he needs to a physicality. But if you're asking him to defend a physical player like a Kelsey or a bigger body like a Kelsey over the course of an entire game, I'd maybe want, and you know, you have to send help to Kelsey anyway. Right. I'd maybe want to send some help over just to make sure. But, Pete, you know, Peters, if you want to, he, he can blanket him to an extent, but I'd maybe want to send some help instead of having a one-on-one Kelsey for the entire game. But, you know, not a lot of people can one-on-one Kelsey throughout the week, so it's not necessarily a slight on Peters. Do the Ravens ever do that, though, have their corners like a, a Humphreys or a Peters or anyone else kind of just shadow a certain receiver? They did, and more more so with Humphrey because you kind of knew like you can put him in, especially when Humphrey had to play in the slot, and there was a specific slot guy. They would put Humphrey on there, and you know we're kind of far away from the days of like Revis Island where we see that across the league now. Yeah. But there there are still instances where you know you want to put your top guy on a top receiver. Marcus Peters, if he bounces back and hit, if he's comfortable enough on the knee. He, he can do he can shadow somebody, but I just think you know we we have to see how he is with the comfortability on the knee first. But if he's able to come back from it, I think he can be a shadow guy. But you know I wouldn't expect it for you know a full seventeen games for him. Talking all things Marcus Peters right now with Kevin Ostriker, host of Locked On Ravens here on Radio Nation Radio nine twenty. Unnecessary roughness. Just got a couple more questions for you. Do you see at any point in his future, or maybe in situational type of football, that he could kind of play that safety role? I think it's an option. You know, I think we're kind of seeing more and more older defensive backs transition. The Ravens did it with Jimmy Smith, or they, at least they tried to a couple of years ago before his retirement. I think you could definitely, and again, I feel like I would love to see Peters in like that free safety roaming around role, like just kind of controlling defense from the top of the key almost. I think he, he he can still play corner at this point, but if the Raiders feel confident enough in their corners, and I don't know how confident they do feel in those guys right now right. outside of Peters, if if they do, you know, find a, maybe a hidden gem or two where you you feel confident enough putting them on the outside and they're your outside guys, maybe Peters can be like a rotational corner safety. Obviously, at this point, you're probably going to be playing him at corner until you find some of those players. Yeah. But I think later, you know, if this works out for the Raiders and. Peters maybe resigns after this one-year deal. Maybe next year he could maybe work into that role. But I think I think he still has quality corner snaps left in him. It's just a matter of again, the health is the biggest factor for me here, and how he responds to having the year on the knee to figure it out. And it, was that just the year he needed, or is there a decline coming or, or still coming with Peters? Last year was not great for him. Uh, I, will, right. I will say that. But again, not everybody's great coming off of injuries, so I'll give him the benefit of the doubt there. Yeah, that's something I've been anticipating is, you know, two years removed from the ACL is, is much better than one year removed. Just I, I think it's just a confidence thing is, you know, is being comfortable on that on that uh, knee, making sure that it's going to be there and be healthy and be good to go. Uh, but we'll see. Right. Training camp opens up for the Raiders on on Wednesday. That's the first day of practice. So we'll actually see what he's looking like when he's out there. Final question for you. And you mentioned this to me when we talked on Sunday that, you know, Marcus Peters is an Oakland native, you know, so the Raiders were the team he grew up rooting for. And I know the team is in Las Vegas now, but how do you think he, he is? We saw Marshawn Lynch play with the Raiders and he's an Oakland native and he was very proud. How, how do you, how proud do you think Peters will be to play with the silver and black? 
Oh, I, I think he's I think he's excited for it. You know, I, he's someone who is friends with Marshawn Lynch. He's also friends with Najee Harris, who you know he, he grew up with essentially, and then is very close with him. So I think that him having the Oakland pride. Obviously, I know they're in Las Vegas now, as you said, but him being able to now join the silver and black and kind of have that hometown connection. He's someone who, you know, spends time still in, in Oakland, and they've, they've made a very big deal. I remember when Peters was coming back from his injury and was going to miss the 2021 season, right after he suffered it, he wasn't able to play against Najee Harris during his rookie season. And that, you know, he was looking for, we were talking all offseason about, oh, we can't wait for the, the Oakland matchup between <laughs> Marcus Peters and Najee Harris, and then we didn't get it until, until this past season. So I think he's really excited about that. It's a nice little nugget in there that I think adds even a, a bit more of excitement, especially for Raiders fans, but more importantly for Marcus Peters about signing with you know, his hometown team back in the day. Yeah, it should be fun. We're looking forward to it. And, again, I can't wait to see what he looks like on Wednesday when practice opens up. Well, Kevin, fantastic stuff, man. Uh, Locked on Ravens, I know you do a hell of a job with that show, man. What do you got coming out that folks should be on the lookout for? Yeah, I appreciate you. We're, we're doing uh, just training camp stuff where players are reporting tomorrow, kicks off on Wednesday for Baltimore, so – training camp previews, roster previews, roster predictions, pre-training camp, and then obviously injury updates in the whole nine yards. And it's, it's exciting. We're, we're back at training camp. We're, we were talking on Sunday. Football feels like it's been gone for too long, so I'm excited we're almost back to it. Yeah, I'm super excited. Before I let you go, I did want to ask you one question about the Ravens and their new look offense under uh, offensive coordinator Todd Mockin. Uh How excited is are, are, are the fan base for this new look offense led by Lamar Jackson? Yeah, it's going to be exciting. A lot of fans are very excited for it. I think partially because just Greg Roman is gone. I think Greg Roman and his tenure in Baltimore was played on for a little bit too long, probably should have been gone after last season, but the Ravens are very loyal, sometimes a little too loyal. And we just felt like here in Baltimore, Lamar Jackson wasn't getting truly utilized in the way that we we felt like he could in, in an offense like Todd Munkin. What we're expecting out of Todd Munkin in this offensive unit is, you know, with the wide receivers Baltimore was brought in, Odo Beckham Jr., Zay yep. Flowers, they still have Rashad Bateman, Nelson Aguilar, who I know you're familiar with, yeah. you. Yep. They have all these new weapons. Now, I can't forget about Mark Andrews in that tight end room, too, but right. it's going to be more thrilling. The Ravens have said that. Lamar, Munkin, John Harbaugh. And they're going to give Lamar the keys, and everybody has kind of echoed that in the organization, where it felt like over Lamar's like first five seasons, he didn't really have as much control. Like he wasn't getting as much control of the offense as a young quarterback should. He wasn't really getting, I'd say, used to that role. But now they said, hey, we're going to hand the keys to Lamar. He's going to have the ability to audible at the line, check out of things, figure out what he wants to do. And essentially, it's, it's Lamar's life. Todd Munkin's offense, but Lamar's going to have a major hand in just calling, not calling the plays, but figuring out what the play is going to be by the time the ball is snapped. So there's a lot of excitement here in Baltimore about the new look offense. Obviously, it has to translate over the field. You can't just be talking about it on paper, but I think there's going to be a lot more improvement in a lot of different areas for the Ravens. Well, I'll tell you what, they gave him the bag. They gave him the money, so they might as well give him the keys to the car and tell him, go out there and, and drive, 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 let it go. So I think it's a good time in, in uh, Baltimore, man. That offense should look really good under Todd Mock and, of course, led by Lamar Jackson. Well, Kevin, fantastic stuff, man. Thanks for giving us a few minutes of your time this afternoon. Definitely appreciate you, and I look forward to talking to you. Yeah, absolutely. We'll talk to you again soon. I appreciate you having me on.
Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Kevin Ostriker right there, host of Locked on Ravens at Ostriker 34 on Twitter if you're looking to check him out. And uh, just great timing, right? I was on, on his show Sunday. We, we, we caught up to with each other just talking about Jimmy G and the Raiders. And then he mentioned, like, hey, I know this Marcus Peters thing is, is going to happen sooner rather than later. If you want me to come on and talk about him, I'd, I'd, it'd be my pleasure. And I thought, yeah. That'd be awesome. Would love to do it. And timing was perfect. He agrees to a deal right as the show starts. And we have Kevin on a little bit later talking about what Marcus Peters brings to the table. And I think that his attitude, his swagger, his ball hawk ability, I think all that's going to play a a big role and also help that Raiders defense, especially the secondary, have more confidence than they've had. Like believe in their abilities, believe what they're seeing, trust what they see, and go make plays what says you when it comes to marcus peters now that's official he signed with the silver and black a one-year deal worth up to five million dollars according to jordan schultz uh what do you think he brings to the table what do you think he brings to the raiders defense and that secondary room now how about caller number nine as well 702-365-9200 we did it once already we got someone registered for four tickets to uh an aviators game we'll get you uh closer one step closer to the lotus summer of fun uh the trip to orlando four-day trip we're going to do it again. How about we do the, the tickets right now, uh, get you registered for the four tickets to the Aviators game. Call number 9, 702-365-9200. This is Radio Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Just got a few minutes left here in hour number two of the show. Coming up at the top of the hour, Brian Fisher, college football writer for Fox Sports. We'll talk about colleges, programs that prepare their players for the next level and what posi- what programs are better for different positions across football. So we'll talk about that coming up with Brian Fisher at 4 o'clock. i got to give a big shout-out to my man Ron. Uh, he got registered for the four tickets to an Aviators game, which is one step closer in the Lotus Summer of Fun. Again, a four-day trip to Orlando's Disney World, Orlando's Universal Studios, plus a tour of the Kennedy Space Center, or you could take the cash, $3,000. But one step closer for my man Ron. That's how we do more winning here on Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Earlier in the show, I mentioned Ryan Clark from ESPN and how he was a, a guest on the show with myself and Harry Douglas earlier today. And I asked him about him picking the Minnesota Vikings to be the division champs. And I didn't think their defense well, – I know their defense was terrible last season. And so I thought that the reason why he thought that they were going to be the division champs was because – uh, their offense was really good, and now that they have a strong defense, they'll be able to compete. But he actually pointed something else out. Check it out. I thought what the Vikings were able to do offensively is very difficult in the sense of the way they were able to push the ball, but the way they were able to score in one-score games. Uh, the Vikings won the most one-score games in football, which can dramatically shift at any time because it's very difficult. But Harry knows this better than anybody. That's what good NFL football is. Like the NFL isn't college, right? where there are these 10 teams that are way better than everybody else and you blow out the inferior teams. Normally, it comes down to one-score games and games in the fourth quarter, and they were able to win those, which is a step forward for Kirk Cousins. Now you add Jordan Addison, who I believe at this point in Adam Thielen's career is actually an upgrade. So there you go. So that was Ryan Clark just talking about one-score games, and I just found it interesting because, again, the Raiders won so many one-score games in 2021 on their way to the playoffs, and so many looked at it as, yeah, well, they just got lucky. And, well, you know, it was just kind of a numbers game. They had the ball bounce their way. And then you hear Ryan Clark talk about Minnesota, who did basically the same thing that the Raiders did in 2021. They did it last year, and, well, that's good NFL football. So I get it. It is a good ability to have, but it's funny when you talk about – 
one-score games in the national perspective of it, is it the ball bounced their way, they got lucky? Is it, you know, something that you can count on often? Or is it just, or is it good football and that they play good football at times? You know, I thought that that was an interesting little nugget. Again, not questioning what he was saying, but it was just the fact that, you know, it's, it's one narrative I hear when it's talking about the Raiders, and it's a different narrative. I feel like it's a different narrative when talking about the Minnesota Vikings, but I wanted to make sure to pass that along so you can hear exactly what he had to say. Uh, again, I thought that was a pretty interesting little nugget. When we come back, we'll kick off hour number three of the show. Brian Fisher, college football writer from Fox Sports. He'll join the show. It's Radio Nation Radio 920.